This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Pride of West London V-Sotted podcast. Um, together with me today is Nick Carfew, who's playing the perfect host. Um, and we have a newbie, Sav Kiriakou. Um, and Bill Grant is, is absent with leave, I think. He's on a besotted zero-hours contract, so he's not going to get paid for, for not being here today. Um, I'm not going to tell you where he is, because um, it'll make us all a bit jealous. But, um, yeah, so the three of us here today to talk all things Brentford in what has been another eventful week. Um, we went up to Hillsborough on Tuesday, um, a game that we needed to win, a game that we didn't win. Um, things um, are moving on quite quickly now. We're breathing down the, the end of this season. Three games to go now. We've got Bolton this Saturday coming. So um, I'll let you introduce you to these two gents. So Nick, what, what's, how's your week been? Yeah, good. I mean, I actually did enjoy my trip to Hillsborough as well um, because I wanted to do the 100% this season and it was the Sheffield Wednesday game that I was worried about not being able to make but now I've made that I can see the future clear looking forward to Bolton, Reading and Wigan and hopefully two other games. Sav what's your mood like this week old chap? I'm, uh, I'm up and down like a yo-yo um, basically straight after games I'm feeling totally distraught and guided and um, the following morning I'm fine thinking hold on we can still make it. So we've got lots to talk about, um, but the first thing we're going to do, we're going to listen back to um, what the Owls and the Bees thought straight after the Hillsborough game. Here's what they said. So, we're outside Hillsborough. It's a game that we needed to win. It's a game that we made a lot of chances in. It's a game that we didn't win. Um, Is that it for us? No, it's not it yet. It's still tight at the top, isn't it? I still think it's tight at the top. You know, Wolves, Wolves have got, you know, you know, it's a lot of the sort of top sides are playing each other still, well, the top sides, you know. So you still got a positive... Yeah, 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 I think so, yeah, yeah. Anything could happen, mate, anything could happen. I thought Wednesday started strong. Uh, Brentford came into the game 15 minutes in and probably took took control. But second half, really, I think game opened up. Brentford were under a bit of pressure. They've got to 
obviously they're looking for the points, um, which gave us the opportunity. Nice to see Wednesday attacking for a change in numbers. Yeah, we were obviously hoping that your home your home form was going to continue, but obviously, you know, you, as you said, you know, you, you, you hung on in there, you stayed strong, and we made a mistake, and you, you really punished us. It was a good finish in the end. Yeah, a bit of a resilient defensive performance, really. I mean, Brentford put us under a lot of pressure, and it's been a bit of a story of this season, really, as we've, we've, we've taken the lead, and then we've not been able to hold on to it, and you, you, could, you probably saw why. We, we did look a little bit lost at the back, not, not too organised. Um, early on in the season we were really organised and teams struggled to break us down but um, it, it could have ended up one, one all easy or Brentford could have actually gone on and won it it was it that open um, That was a bit gutting wasn't it? Yeah absolutely got to take our chances again we've, we've had some good opportunities and failed there and then another mistake and conceded it's, it's really really disappointing obviously a long way to travel and Again, we're just finishing that down from getting three points against another poor side. So, I mean, it's really harsh, um, you know, to, to blame individuals, and I'm, I don't think it's a good time to be blaming no. individuals. But you know, we we have created chances again, and we've made some fairly fairly bad misses, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that completely. I mean, judges had two real great opportunities that you shouldn't be passing up at this level, and I don't know, maybe tired legs are getting to people and. Yeah, just got to try and get three games to go. Got to try and get nine points and see see where that takes us. But yeah, tonight is really disappointing. Really I mean, disappointing. there is no crystal ball, but you know, can you can you remain positive now? You got to try to. What have you got left? You got to try and remain positive. The players have done so well all season, but just got to hope we can get over the line and, and see. And yeah, who knows? Um, really, we could have had six points from the last two away games. So yeah, it's just just the way it goes. So, speaking to another Wednesday fan outside Hillsborough um, after the match, how, how did you see the game tonight? Very good and interesting tactical battle by both sides. I thought we were, we were structuring what we were doing, and I thought Brentford were excellent what they did. The movement was absolutely terrific. The best side I've seen down at Hillsborough all season. So, Sav, what did you, uh, what, you weren't up at Hillsborough, but obviously you followed it very keenly um, on Bees Player. What, what, what did you think of the game? Um, how did it come across? And, you know, what's, what's, what do you think is going to happen from here on? Yeah, I did. I uh, listened to it on uh, Bees Player, but also watched the 45 minute uh, extended highlights uh, the following day as well. And um, it's pretty much, pretty much the same. Whether you, you listen to Bees Player or, or follow the highlights, it's pretty much the same. We didn't seem to be. Uh, five on, on all cylinders. I think we we kind of we looked tired, but what came across most to me was the lack of atmosphere. It's it's obviously a massive ground, Hillsborough, and I just wonder how how we play in in that kind of atmosphere when we have to try and really go for it. We have to pick the players up, and they're in this sort of very empty shell of a of a of a ground. Yeah, I mean, it's, to be fair, I mean, you know, I was up there, and it started off. The, the Brentford fans did start creating a bit of noise, um, but once I think you know they, they realised it was going to be another one of those games where they were going to be knocking on the door and were quite unsure whether a goal was going to come or a goal wasn't going to come. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, the, their fans certainly weren't up for you know in terms of they you know they, they weren't very confident about the game, so they were the, so most people that were there. The, 
they're probably season ticket holders and they were just going through the motions. The, mm. you know, the fans we spoke to before the game, they weren't confident of a win or even a draw. We, they thought we were turning up to watch the Brentford show. Um, I think they were very surprised that they got anything out of the game. So yeah, you know, it was. I, th- I think the atmosphere did start to go a bit flat, and I think it got a bit angry um, towards the end as well. Didn't you? Don't you think? Luke? Yeah, it did. I mean, Wednesday, you were right. Wednesday, were literally on the beach um, because the the state of their pitch was was like a beach as well. There was sand all over it, and it was an appalling surface to play on. Um, worst I've seen this season. I was disappointed with some of the reaction of the Bees fans. Um, There were some who travelled who were having a go at our players on Tuesday night, and I was disappointed by that. There was no evidence of not one of the 11 starting, and indeed the three that came on, trying hard or actually wanting, you know, not playing for the team or not not putting in a shift. Um, And as Sav rightly said, they looked absolutely finished, Tired, I, I, you know, you want to use even stronger words like knackered, um, because I go, I go even stronger. You know me, but yeah, 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 um, yeah. But this is a family podcast. But I, I think you know, let 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 let's let's say that you know they've had, they are going to run themselves right into the ground. But there was no evidence of any player not prepared to run themselves into the ground. No, no I agree. You know, it's, it's very very difficult at this type, this stage of the season to be pointing fingers. You know that they, they are tired. I don't, I don't think any of us can come fully appreciate the kind of. Um, physical fatigue that they're feeling, you know, and even where you know when certain players, um, you know, are making mistakes, you know, to be fair, the scoreline could have been even even worse for us. There was there was a couple of times there, their their players were through on goal um, after after losing possession on the halfway line. Better better strikers, better teams would you know would have would have converted those. So you know one nil. Um, I think flattered Sheffield Wednesday, but it could have been worse. But you know clearly uh, it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot better. I mean you know you talk about better strikers um, could have could have done done better for for Sheffield Wednesday. Strikers should have and could have uh, converted at least two chances. On mid and our midfield, our attacking midfielders missed another two, possibly three chances on Tuesday night as well, and it was really disappointing. And you you just have to begin to wonder whether it really is our season because you know there were five clear cut chances for the bees on Tuesday night, um, and to not put one of those away, uh, sorry, well, yeah, one of them away was truly disappointing because if we got the first goal. I think we would have gone on and won quite comfortably. We're in a very, very awkward predicament now where it, it would appear that Chris Long may not play for us again on Saturday. Um, he played, um, I believe, today for um, Everton's uh, development squad um, and picked up another injury. So he, he, they, I think they put him through his paces just to see how bad his injury was and he found a new one, um, which was not very convenient for us. Um, so Andre Gray... It would appear is the only striker um, that's going to be playing up there. Whether he, whether Wards wants to um, try Tommy Smith in a more central role, I doubt. Um, I think Andre's there for the duration now, um, and I, I guess you could argue then it's probably the best thing that if, we, if we're going to play one strike, we might as well just give him the last three games as well. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Andre's our best striker. Hmm. I mean, he's, yeah, agreed. You could, some people could say he's our only striker, but you know, we do have people like Tommy Smith. We have Tommy Smith. And, uh, yeah, no, it's a bit Andre Gray every time for me. Just wonder, just wonder whether should have been brave on Tuesday night and stuck on 
Um, and I can never say his name, and I do apologise. Udamaga. thank you very much indeed. Uh, whether we should have stuck him on for the last 10 minutes. Um, Isn't he a midfielder? Well, he's a, he's a very attacking midfielder who scored goals in, in the development squad. And the development squad I've seen three or four times this year and have always been quite exciting to watch. And you might as well go for broke. I, th- I, you, I agree. You lose nothing by I trying. Think sometimes you, you've got to, you've got to try a wild card in there. There, there. there are so many instances throughout history where you know the unsung heroes come off the bench and um, it's, it's turned things around. And you know it, it could be it could be that's the way our season may twist. But you know we'll, we'll see. You know, we think, I mean, it's worth trying certainly. Yeah, we've we've got tried and tested attacking midfielders already though. So I'm not sure putting on a kid who's never played. At that level, in these really big games, I'm not saying help anyone. I'm not saying start him. I'm saying send him on twenty minutes to go. You know, if you need the goals, t- twenty fifteen minutes to go, and and say go on, go and make a name for yourself. You could make you know you could become a Brentford hero overnight. Um, I think the problem you, is yeah. when you've got twenty minutes to go and you need a goal. You've seen what happens with us. You know, we just pile forward. We we take Harley Dean off. You know, we do we do all sorts of strange things, and you're not playing in any kind of sensible setup, you're just piling forward. And maybe, maybe Udmaga, if he's got a nice nice little touch, maybe yeah, you're right, yeah, maybe, I, maybe that's the way. My my concern is if uh, if Andre Gray picks up an injury, you know, we have been fortunate, we've been so lucky that um since Hogan got injured we, we really haven't struggled with injuries up up top. Um you know if, if Andre had picked up something that kept him out for three or four weeks, our season probably would have been derailed uh, you know a little while ago and um, we would have had to have dipped into the you know the, the transfer market or the loan market or recalled will Grigg. Um, well you're, you're, that that's the irony of the situation is that had Andre Gray been been injured a couple of months ago or a month ago, we would have gone into the loan market and then we probably would have splashed out on getting a loan player decent loan forward in. We haven't for for the reasons that we've discussed in previous podcasts. So I, is that, is that worth going over again? Um, because the reason I bring this up now is that Mark Warburton, we know um, we know well, we don't know anything, but it would appear that there's not, there's been no mood change behind the scenes, and he will be leaving at the end of the season. When that exactly is, whether that's <laughs> straight after the Wigan game, or whether that's straight after the, the, the playoff matches, or quite when he's going to clear his desk, I'm. I'm not not quite sure, but um, we are we are seeing now that um, we are paying a, quite a price for not strengthening. Um, is that is that a fundamentally is that a flaw that's come home to roost? Because you know the, the decision to to you know to um, not not renew his contract divided fans. There seems to be evidence that now that some fans seem to be coming down firmly on Benham's side of the fence on this now. But yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Warbs's strength is also his weakness because his strength is about creating a a good sort of solid core team that fights for each other, plays for each other, and he's and he can't seem to get his head around. You have to keep evolving that. I mean, a season is a long time to just work with the same same people. So you need to evolve that through a season, not just at the end of the season where you can chuck a few people out and bring a few people in and then start again. You know, it's, it's all about evolving. And I think, you know, Benham saw, saw that opportunity at Christmas time and he, he wanted to go for it. And, you know, we all know this. But I think, you know, Warbs just didn't fancy it. And I think that's just a lack of ambition on his part. 
It'll be interesting to see whether he's learned from this in future in his future careers. I mean, presumably he'll go on to a bigger club with bigger squads as well. I mean, but basically we've been operating with a squad of seventeen, probably eighteen players, if that really. Um, and I think he's missed out on the opportunity to to. He plays an adventurous style of football. Nobody can criticise that. But it's quite interesting that he's obviously quite unadventurous in the way that he manages the squad of players that he has. Oh, and doesn't want to bring in people from outside to disrupt the team rhythm. And, you know, we've discussed this on many occasions. I'm totally torn by it because, on one hand, I'm a great believer in the, 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 the team approach and you stick with the same group and you build up this ethos and, you know, you live and die for each other. But at the same time, in professional football, and if you are challenging for a um, spot into the promised land of the Premiership, however much we might hate it, um, I don't think you can afford to be as rigid as to say no I'm not looking I'm not looking to disrupt what my squad may bring I think you have to gamble and Warburton is clear, quite clearly not a gambler which given his past history as a city trader strikes me as a bit well, strange I, I, th- I think there's a, there's a kind of a, a slight clash here I, I, I do hear what you're saying so, but there, there seems to be very much um, a situation where there's a circle of trust in the, in the, in the players that he the, the players that he wants to rotate um, you certainly more than happy to gamble with those players when they're on the pitch. So he's, he's, he's adventurous in, in, in the way that he sets his teams up and the way he urges them on to always go for another goal and never sits back on a one-goal lead. So in, in that respect, there's, there's no kind of um, conservative uh, out, outlook. But I, I agree with what you're saying. He, he, he seems to... Well, he said he wants to stay loyal to this squad, but I, I guess that loyalty really may have kind of shot us in the foot. I thought what was interesting is there were rumours of a dressing room bust-up after the Derby game on Saturday. Well, there were more than rumours, actually. I think it was confirmed. Yeah. Is that there were... well, he, yeah, he came out and said it. Yeah. Strong words. Yeah. Whether what, what, what constitutes strong words and who, that, who, who, were in, who was involved and whether it went beyond strong words, we don't know. But, but I don't, what was interesting was that on Tuesday night, that was obviously forgotten. I don't think there was any hangover from what those strong words on Tuesday night in uh, in our on, from the strong words on Saturday in Tuesday night's performance. The team didn't look as though they weren't prepared to play for each other, or you know there was nobody looking to pass the ball to one player rather than another player. There was none of that rubbish. There's some real um, strong characters in that team, aren't there? You know, you look at Dougie, you look at Harley, you look at Andre. Mm. You know, there, there's players there that you, you know they're gonna they're gonna tell you what you what they think, um, and if they you know if they feel like you've you know. Let the team down, or I'm sure they'll be. I'm sure they'll be there to tell you. Yeah, who, good for them. I mean, who would who who was to blame for Derby? Well, I, I don't think anyone was to blame. I, I just think I think when you get to this stage of the season, there's tired tired legs and tired minds, and everyone's weary. And I, I think people just want the end. They, people just want to know what how, how this is going to pan out. Um, there's a kind of an impatience and 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 when when you've got when you've got a situation where you're winning. And you've played so well away from home at Derby County, one of the one of the pre-season favourites to go to go up, to 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 not take your chance, well, to to have a goal in the last minute, a fluky goal. It kind of just really crystallises why we should, why we should have taken our chances because we would have been out of sight. And I guess it's just like human nature that you're gonna kind of like go you da 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 da. You know, it, it, you can't avoid it. Yeah. it there, there must have been despondency and uh, an upset. 
um, you know, you either cry <laughs> or, you, or you kind of like, you, you front it out. And I think it's just healthy. I think it's a healthy situation. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of testosterone in that room. Yeah, at this stage of the season, it's not worth blaming who, who was at fault for the goal on Saturday. Um, no. It's just, you know, because... <sighs> Had that had that happened back in January, yeah, I think we should have been calling out names and saying, you know, that was disgraceful. Oh, 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 this player should never play for Brentford again. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think we kind of we need to, we need to, you know, whatever whatever happens between now um, and and the end of the season, whether that end of the season is the final whistle against Wigan or whether we get two more games or three more games, um, we need to make sure that we back this team because this this is the same team that pretty much got us up last season um, and this is the team that has got us so close to something well it's got us cl- it's not not only got us close this, this as I said however it finishes it's been an amazing season um, and we're knocking on the door of the premiership so let's stay loyal let's let's get behind the team for the last three matches um, and let's let's kind of pick over the bones of the season if it needs picking over um, as and when did you see the fans are doing that um, I think I think the fans are as tired as the players. A lot of them, you know, there's, there's been there's been a lot of miles put in, and there's been a lot of mental energy. Um, I think it's only I think it's only um, it's only human nature that fans are getting weary as well. I just think think people need to be focused on just how 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 great things have been and and are and and will continue to be. Um, Going talking about Warburton um, again, and you know, I think it's only only natural that we we are going to kind of uh, look at the rumor mill about his future. Um, see, there was a um, report in the uh, Sunday Mail this week linking him with um, Fulham of all clubs. Um, interesting, you said a little, little a few minutes back, Nick, that he's going to go on to a bigger club. Um, he, if he does go to Fulham or he does go to QPR, that's that's a massive, massive undertaking. He's, he's gonna that's a, that's a big turnaround. Um, that could take four or five years. Um, you know, he, he he's gonna probably take his backroom staff with him. Um, what, what do you think? What you know? What happens if he goes to Fulham or QPR? I would be sad if he went to Fulham and QPR, but one has to be a re- realist: is they they desperately need help um, badly. If he goes to Fulham, I'm not so certain. We talk about, you know, let's put tribal tribalism aside and let's be realistic about this. Fulham do have some money to spend. They do have a project there that I think they could get started. And if they are prepared to back Warburton for two years, I think he could probably get Fulham back up to challenging as serious promotion contenders back up back up to the premiership alongside us we'd be fighting you know fighting for that first and second spot um if he goes to qpr i'm actually torn about qpr because i funnily enough i think chris ramsey has done a very good job at qpr and if i were to be a total you know football fan um, I would say actually I think Ramsey ought to be given a chance whatever happens to QPR this season to stay there and to, and to put them on probably QPR is though that they are actually in terms of um, directors and the owner of QPR is absolutely you know gun gun happy 
prepared to get rid of people at the hat's notice. He certainly doesn't have a vision. It's is it still Tony Fernandez? Still doesn't seem to really have a vision about what he wants to do with that club or do anything. And I think Warburton would be mad to go to Rangers. If I had the choice, I'd I'd go. To, if I personally had the choice, I'd stay at Brentford. But if I didn't, I'd go to Fulham. I wouldn't go to QPR. I, mean, I don't. I don't often make requests of fans. Um, you know, people. Are, you know, I'm a big advocate of people having having you know freedom of thought and you know just being freedom of expression. But I just think it's so critical that however this season finishes there isn't any kind of backlash I think you know he needs to go with with our blessing not necessarily our blessing but with our with our with our best wishes and love because he has done something truly amazing at, at this club um, and if, it, if it's a if it's a clash of ethos and a clash of vision um, I, I think we just have to sort of allow allow him to do whatever he, he wanted to do and you know I, I, I I just hope he doesn't go to either of those two clubs because it will tinge how we feel of him going forward. I, I, I want him to go and I just want him to do well, not not go to a club that we want to do badly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sam? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think Fulham would probably be his best option out of those two. Um, I also think that what his real strength is is that he will play really good attacking football and he'll get the fans on side straight away. Even if they're not successful straight away, they will have patience because they'll be watching some fantastic football. And I think Fulham have already had their bad year. Yeah, their expectations have changed now. So they would actually be much more willing to give him time, uh, which QPR may not. So, uh, you know, it would make sense to go to Fulham. Hope he doesn't go, because I think he's a fantastic manager. But the one, and the one point, Dave, I mean, what, you've been following the team for 40 years, going, going, watching the team for getting on for yeah, 40 yeah, years? Getting, I mean, close there has the never team. been more better football than in the last 18 months. To watch, oh, no. and I mean, that's know, in, it's indisputable. Yeah, and so all I hope is that um, Warburton doesn't lose his style because I'll, I'd like to see his teams, except when they play Brentford, um, play some decent football, and there'll be a, he'll be a credit to the style of football will be a credit to whether it be a championship club or a premiership club. It's funny, I was looking back at some earlier early editions of Besotted a week or so ago when I was just going clearing clearing out the loft. And um, it was early in the um, Dave Webb era, actually, when we had um, we had Forster and Taylor and Asaba up top, and Bent. Um, and we were we were talking about how wonderful it was to to have a team that just all it did was attack. Um, and I know we're not quite as potent as we were sort of maybe sort of three months ago, um, but the ethos is there. I know this is be- this is on a different level of, of, of technical ability and athleticism. Um, these, these what we're what we're seeing now would would have been towards the top of the Premier League or the or the first division back back in those days. This is you know the evolution of football is is such that what was considered the very, very pinnacle of the English game is now being seen in the second tier. You know, I'd love to see this Brentford team take on the greatest Liverpool teams. Uh, I, I think we'd give them a proper good game, yeah. and I think we'd probably win. Um, I, I, we, I, you know, I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think that's a, as a, as a bona fide claim. Um, obviously, you know, things have moved on further up as well. The only thing that slightly worries me is that whether next year people will have, if we stick to playing the same sort of attacking football, whether next year people will not treat us as a little old Brentford anymore. Um, we all have finished, 
we'll have either finished in the playoffs or we might, you know, if, if, we're, if we're still in the championship, we'll have made the playoffs or just just missed out on them. And people will, people will come to Brentford and know that they're playing a very good team. And actually, if you look back at the autumn, the start of the season, I think some teams disrespected us. Um, they gave us the space to play. They gave, they sat back, they allowed us to pass the ball and we passed the ball for fun and we scored goals. You know, since the turn of the year, February time, I think teams realise that what they have to do to stop us playing football and they've done it quite successfully. Right, the other significant sort of uh, observation about being up at Sheffield on uh, on Tuesday was uh, you know our visit coincided with the 26th anniversary of the the, the tragedy on the Leppings Lane end, um, and I'm sure I wasn't the only Brentford fan that sort of paused for a couple of moments just to think about all those that lost their lives um, 26 years ago. Um, so it was also a bit of bit of a surprise to to see on the front page of the Guardian today that um, the other the other sort of like uh, well the other tragedy of, of a generation, the, the Bradford fire, um, the, the, the situation surrounding that seemed to have been called into question. Um, there's a new book out by Martin Fletcher, who lost three generations of his family in that, in, that, in that awful fire back in 1985. He's got a new book out called 56, The Story of the Bradford Fire. Um, and he's, he spent the last few years, um, well, obviously since, since that tragedy, trying to investigate what happened because he didn't he doesn't feel that um it it was an accident um and although there's no he hasn't apportioned blame as such um what what the book apparently highlights and it's going to be serialized in the guardian um is that the uh stafford higginbottom who uh, was the chairman of the football club um he'd been involved in five other fires um in his in his business life um so so it's um you know obviously the, the facts and the, or the, the you know the insinuations or the allegations are going to going to continue in the Guardian over the, over the next next few days and weeks, um, but uh, the implications are that there's there's two real tragedies as I've said that that, that have been you know it's the the, the the blame and the and the, the history has been such that you know football was changed completely because of those two incidents and we're not saying for one minute that football didn't need to look at itself and change but um fans and clubs were 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 blamed in in in, by and large in those in those two situations where um it wasn't it may not necessarily have been (laughs) been the case how how, how do you see you know what, what was in the guardian today nick well, I mean, I agree with you about the Leppings Lane. I stood there and thought of those uh, 96 who died um, on as we walked through the Leppings Lane gates on on Tuesday night. And it actually hasn't changed that much. The awful thing is, is that you go to Sheffield Wednesday and the entrance to Leppings Lane looks like the, that grainy video that you now see of those people um, sadly being pushed around by the police sadly being pushed around by the police um, and the awful tragedy that happened there. Uh, football has changed out of all recognition from, you know, we had the Bradford disaster 30 years ago, the Hillsborough disaster of 26 years ago. And it amazes me that still um, there are owners and chairmen of football clubs and wonderfully we don't have such one who still are involved in the game who might um, potentially uh, allow such situations to occur 
Stanley Hope, you, you mentioned the five fires that Stanley Hope bottom. It's actually nine that nine. I think the Guardian are, are alleging. Um, and it's just like a different world. And yet it's only, it is only 30 years ago. Which actually, in the grand scheme of things, is not that long a time. But, but, but the reason, the reason I say is, fa- fa- fans and um, clubs have, have, have saddled a lot of guilt over the years over, over just kind of like how things were, or, or how decrepit grounds had become, or how how behaviour had been allowed to deteriorate. Um, but you know, yes, there was, yes, there were a lot of problems in the game back in the in the eighties. But it, it's kind of like we've been beating ourselves up. Quite badly for 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 the for the magnitude of, of of the problem when you know yes things needed to change but you know it, it may not have, may not have been all our fault. No, that's that's I think that's, a, that's a really really good point um, because it was the fans for years and years and years. You had the Sun, you had the West Yorkshire Police, and you know constantly blaming fans for Hillsborough and South Yorkshire Police, South Yorkshire, sorry. And uh, it was it was just incredible. Um, we we kind of knew at the time, didn't we? I mean, I think there was, there was a lot of football fans that knew how the police worked, they knew how clubs worked, they knew how security worked. They kind of thought, hold on, I'm I'm not sure this is the fans' fault. And and but it took an awful long time for everyone else to catch on. And you're right, we've be, we've beaten ourselves up, we've been beaten up by it. We've had to cope with all sorts of things. You know, in the Bradford Fire as well, you know, having to change stadiums completely uh, through what seems to be, if the, you know, if the allegations are true, what seems to be one man just trying to make an insurance claim. What is interesting, though, is that there is some footage doing the rounds on social media at the moment of the trouble that happened after the... Well, it wasn't trouble, the um, incidents that happened after the Birmingham Wolverhampton game last weekend. And if you look at it, it looks like, and again, it's, you know... We've only seen one side of the story. It looks like the police might be overreacting to football fans um, who were uh, leaving the game. And, you know, there is clearly something still in some psyches of police forces that football fans are there only to cause trouble. Um, And I've noticed it a bit doing some of the away games as well, is that we put up with what we put up with being told what to do by the police which were we just going around our normal course of business on a Saturday afternoon we wouldn't tolerate yeah you and may, you may not be guilty well, I can't catch you for anything but you're guilty of something yeah, yeah. Mm. um so yeah I mean you know we'll we'll, we'll see what's happened we'll see what you know what, what else comes out in uh, in the Guardian but also you know I, I think it's uh, it's probably worth supporting Martin Fletcher and um, checking out his book whether it's uh, whether it's in your local bookshop ideally um, and if you have to go to Amazon do so but um, Amazon takes 60% of the cover price so um, please try it and get it somewhere else because Martin Fletcher obviously deserves um, some reward for his research and his um, you know his his, his, his mission <laughs> So looking forward now, Bolton at home this Saturday. It really is a must-win game. We, if we don't win, um, it's pretty much, pretty much all over. You know, we, we can get 80 points maximum now, so really it's a three-horse race for sixth place. It's Ipswich, 
Brentford and Wolves in this little triumvirate. Um, they they play each other in the early kickoff on Saturday, so there will be a lot of Brentford fans in the pubs. I would imagine watching that game before they go into Griffin Park. Um, I guess in a in a it's, it's really weird. You re, you have to recalibrate your brains now. You want different teams to win or draw or whatever now. Um, so let's let's focus on these three. We we can't really we can't certainly can't. We can't go up automatically now. Um, so it's, it's between the three of us. Um, I guess we want Wolves to win this, do we? Or draws no good to us, really, is it? Well, yeah, well, obviously we have to win, but Wolves win too? Uh, yeah, it's got to be It's got to be a Wolves win. Um, and uh, not that I'll be standing there cheering them on or anything, but uh, yeah, no, Wolves win, you're right. But the strange thing is that if it is a Wolves win... And we get a few past Bolton. We are actually in sixth place, and it's all back in our hands. That's that's the difference. Um, because at the moment, obviously, we could win every game and still not get in the playoffs. But you know, with a Wolves win, we can. If it's a draw, again, it's not in our hands, but it's better than nothing. We saw up at um, Bolton. They're, they're no mugs. They're they're they on their day. They're a good team. They beat Cardiff three 0 at their place uh, a few weeks back. Um, they've drawn a couple of games recently. Drew with Cholton on uh, on Tuesday night. So you know, I, I put them in the average category, but um, you know, we need to be on our game. We need to be on the front foot. All, all those things. We know we know how Brentford are going to play. They're going to go for it clearly. Um, and you know, my 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 head says we're going to we're going to win it, and it's going to it's going to carry on. It's going to be nervy. Um, it's a sellout at Griffin Park, which is fantastic. Um, there should be an amazing atmosphere um, and I get down there and don't be nervous, just get down there and sing is what I say. Really urge this team on, don't get on their backs. If it doesn't work out after 20 minutes, just keep patient, keep supporting them. Just, we, we, we know what we do. Don't, you know, none of this, get it in there, get it in there because we know what we do. This is what we do week in, week out. We carry on playing football. If you don't like it, worry about it at the end of the season, worry about it next year. This is how we're going to play. Get behind the team. Um, Injury-wise, going into the game, Tumani got he got kicked all over the place. He got, got he got he got a knee in the head, and um, and he also got stamped on his uh, on his arm. So that's why he had that uh, that strapping on. But apparently, he was he was quite shaken by it. So uh, they're going to um, have a little test on him tomorrow and make sure he's okay. He's shaken as well. He was he was shaken vigorously by the throat. Yeah, well, he did. We, there was there was a bit of a uh, bit of skullduggery going on, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, and towards the end of the game, there was a bit of fisticuffs as well, wasn't there? But I don't know whether the beast player in the highlights showed it, but there's quite clearly something going on. We were at the other end and quite a long way away from away from the action on Tuesday night. But uh, yeah, there was clearly a bit of uh, you know tension being released, as they say, on that one. What? Um, you make a good point, Dave, about cheering on the team as well. Slightly, what worries me slightly is that um, we, if things aren't going right after 20 minutes, you can hear the groans. Um, not as loud as some of the booing that we've heard from the away fans and um, on our away trips. But there are the odd groans. Absolutely no cause for doing that on Saturday. No. 100%, 90 yeah. minutes of con- positivity. To use a Martin Allen phrase, we all need to go in with PMA on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not going to get on my high horse. I've been guilty of it in the past. I mean, let's, let's be honest, but, you know, let's be patient um, on Saturday. I know it's important, but let's, let's be patient. The, the other injury concern is um, Alec Pritchard. Um, he... 
got a dead leg, hurt his upper leg. Um, dead rest, calf. Yeah, dead calf, lower <laughs> leg, whatever. Um, he, he is he's critical to our game, isn't he, Sav? He seemed to be from the, the game on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, he, he, he was missed. I don't think he provides a bit of guile that some of the others don't. I mean, we have great movement, etc., etc. But he has that bit of guile. And also that bit of chutzpah, you know, where he will take a, take a shot. You know, and, and he's got a fantastic shot. No. Yeah, well, what, what I thought, um, the difference between uh, the, the draw up at Derby and the defeat at Sheffield Wednesday was that extra bit of quality. Um, you know, I, it's probably the only thing that separated the two performances, to be fair. You know, we, we probably, we, were, we looked better at Derby. It was a more, more fluid performance. But, you know, we, I, I think if we didn't score at, at Derby, I don't think we would have scored all afternoon either. You know, I think it, it was just the, that fact that he has got, you know, that extra something special. I won't even. I'm not even going to pretend to, to do my French je ne sais quoi. <laughs> but, uh, well, I like I like Sav's use of the word chutzpah because actually going back to what we started with at the Tot- Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> what we started with at the the top of this uh, podcast was talking about being adventurous and what. How about McCormack? How about starting McCormack, uh, who actually has got an eye for goal, can have a rifle in a shot, is not afraid to, you know, be an attacking player. Not quite certain how you fit him into the formation um, and into the team at the moment. I'm not certain he's a direct replacement for Pritchard. But if Tamani isn't playing, if Tamani is injured, then actually I think McCormack, well, McCormack presumably will start. And I think would start. you should start him in a forward-looking role. Uh, I would keep Moses still at the back. Well, let let Dougie stay at the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In front of the yeah. full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think is most likely that we're going to be on the pitch because Tumani scores, or we're going to be on the pitch because we've been promoted to the Premier League? Uh, we won't be promoted to the Premier League on Saturday. I can I can confidently predict that. Okay, I can I concur with that one. <laughs> well, all I'm glad is that Tumani didn't score on Tuesday night because it was a very long way down onto the pitch from the upper reaches of the Leppings Lane. Well, not only was it a long way down, there was quicksand. There was a mi- it looked like there was a minefield. There was well, I don't know if it was barbed wire, but it, it, yeah. it looked like a, yeah. it looked like a proper jungle down there without the trees, obviously. <laughs> so. Saturday, give us give us your prediction, Nick. Oh dear, um, it's a really difficult one. I think it will be a nervous two nil to the bees, but I think it will be nervous. I Sam? think I think we'll just go for it. I think we'll win three one because we always let a goal in, and I'm really really looking forward to the 22 year old Tarkovsky and the 23 year old Harley Dean against Heskey and Gudjonsson, who are probably about 106 by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's positive that there's, they're not, you know, they're not in, the, in, in, in their youth anymore. Um, excepting, <coughs> excepting, I bet yeah, they latch onto a high ball played over the top. I predict that we are going to win 3-0 or 
I think um, we are going to go for it and it's going to pay off. We, we've been frustrated the last couple of weeks. We've got the quality. Um, Fulham was a, a game similar to this. We went there with, with, you know, with that mentality of it, it could go wrong. We, we, were, we wanted it to be right and, and it was right. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. We've, um, I thought Derby was an excellent performance. We deserve to win. Sheffield Wednesday was an okay performance and we deserved to win and we didn't. Um, I think we're going to get some justice on Saturday. I think we are going to win. Dave, can I just re- reiterate something that um, people have criticised the Besotted podcast on Tuesday night, the pre-match, the post-match, sorry, for being too downhearted. Um, a, people have got to remember that's done instantly after the game. So, of course, you're walking away from the ground feeling disappointed. But let me be stressed is that amongst the Besotted crew and actually amongst most of the fans, there is no criticism of what this team has done, of what the management team have achieved and what the owners of this club have achieved this season. Whatever happens in the next three games, we have had a fantastic ride. Um, We can only hope that it gets better. But uh, if we sound down at times, it's only because we care passionately about the club. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think we sound down. I think we sound honest. I don't make any apologies for that. I spent the last 40 years being honest. I'll spend the next 40 years being honest. Um, I'll be here. You'll be here. We'll all be here. Everyone listening will be here long after most people connected with our club at the moment are long gone. So um, we'll tell it as it is. We'll tell it honestly. We'll, we'll make an educated assessment of what goes on. We're certainly not into slagging off individuals or doing anything that's knee-jerk. Um, I think everything we do or say is well thought through. Um, it may be contentious sometimes, but opinions need to be celebrated. And we will continue to have an opinion. Um, and if you don't like that opinion, there are other places you can go and listen to. You will continue to hear this kind of balls <laughs> on besotted.co.uk, on YouTube, besotted1992, where we have all our video collection, on Twitter, at besotted. Um, just to tell you, we are going to enter a film into the Twickenham Film Festival, which um, takes place in June, um, and um, we're bribing the judges now, so we hope, should hopefully win that. Um, and we'll be back at Griffin Park on Saturday, where we'll continue to have an opinion, and we'll have a post-match podcast and a post-match video. We will be cheering the bees on from behind the Eden Road goal. Wherever you are in the stadium, you cheer them on too. We are the mighty bees. This is the Pride of West London podcast. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.